Welcome back to that rugby podcast hosted by the Sports Booth. You've got myself and Husey back again for another week. G'day. Our teams did not feature this weekend, however, no. always rugby going on at this time of the year, especially with warm-up games to a Rugby World Cup in 46 days, I now believe it is. Um, it's getting close. So, yeah, a little over a month um, before kickoff of the first game. Uh, but two big games. Actually, actually, I wanted to touch base on something. Our last podcast has done quite well on the YouTubes Um getting over, I think it was like 2,000 views. Oh, However, wow. a lot of people were commenting on us bashing the referees. Now, that was a lot aimed at you because you're the Australian that was, you know, having a, a sook. But I wanna, I'm going to step, here. It was, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to step and take a bullet for you because, first of all, every single nation has been in that position with a referee. Yeah. Now, I can remember throughout my childhood hearing the name Wayne Barnes and feeling distaste as a New Zealand All Blacks fan. Was that right? Of course not. Of course it wasn't right. Um, but it was what it was. And again, I think we've come a long way with referees. I do. I really do. Yeah. But I think they've still got a long way to go. Um, I think a referee union. If you have watched one of our other podcasts, many of the other ones, you know how highly we do talk of referees. Yeah. Obviously, I thought also Yako Piper didn't have a great game with yeah. Aussie against Argentina. But I'll let you it, tell your side of the story as well. Yeah, look, it's one of those things. As while what I said in the last podcast really is that as critical as I'm going to be of Yako Papa, I'm not going to. You can't take it that step further where people abuse and bash the referees, right? Um, it's the thing like it's what people always say about free speech and how they get it wrong. Like, oh, I have free speech, so you can't say that. It's like, oh, you can't say anything negative about the referees. No, all right. Just because you can't abuse and bash them doesn't mean they're not immune from criticism. You could still be critical of their performance, just as you can be critical of players' performance, all right? Anytime there's an element of performance or human interaction, or even, you know, with automated uh, performances and actions, you can be critical of it. You can you could judge it and say it was good or it wasn't good. And his referee in that game wasn't good. And I am confident in saying that because you, as a New Zealander, also expressed uh, that you thought he didn't have one of his best games of refereeing, that he was stepping in too much. Uh, so, I mean, I stand by it fully. I mean, I, I don't think I said anything terribly offensive in that podcast. I haven't looked at any YouTube. I don't look at comments, so I'm not going <laughs> to go and look at the YouTube comments. People could say what they want to say. But for, for clarity, look, refereeing is, I'm going to say this as well, which I said in previous episodes. So go back and watch those if you haven't, or listen to them if you, if you haven't in the past, because they are worth a listen. Especially there's ones where we had a lot of discussion on the referee around the time um, when Razzy Rasmus uh, sort of was taken down a peg for his comments about referees. Um, refereeing is is probably the hardest job on a rugby field. It's probably the hardest job on a rugby field, right? Yep. Um, because you have to worry about every single player on the field, right? Uh, when you're playing on a rugby field, you don't have to worry about every single other player. You just have to worry about the other team and some of the people on your team, right? You don't have to be keeping an eye on everyone on your team uh, as well as the opposition team. And most of the time, you're not even keeping an eye on all of the opposition team either. You're looking at where the, the ball is. The referee's got to keep track of everything along with his touches and the uh, upstairs referee and things like that. So it's the hardest job on the field. That means that occasionally people are not going to do a very good job of it. 
that just is what it is. The same way that superstars are occasionally not going to have very good games. You know, it just is what it is. We're all human. None of us are perfect, right? Um, and that that's my thoughts of what happened with Yako Piper, right? He just ejected himself in the game too much, was a, too trigger happy in pulling penalties. And the last try the Argentine scored, there should have been a review of the knock on the play before scoring try, because that is a significant part of that play's development, right? And I don't think it's even two or three plays before the try happened. It's the play before the try happened. I'm, that has to be within the review window. And if it's not, then that's a large discussion that needs to happen. But look, I stand by what I said. I think that he should have done a better job. And it is what it is. If you don't like that, well, you can start your own podcast and talk about it on there. <laughs> I'm going to agree with all the YouTube comments and say you're just a whining Aussie who couldn't get the job done. Uh... <laughs> look, and, I mean, that's what I said in the podcast as well. Like it was... You know, there's so many opportunities that we could have gotten it done to not make it down to refereeing decisions, and we didn't. So don't get me wrong. It's not all on Yako Piper. There's a lot of work for the Aussies to do as well. 100%. I 100% agree with those YouTube comments as well, right? And that's why we're seeing, and why we're going to talk about later, changes that have happened to the Australian squad. Because you'll notice, if people really listen to that podcast, you'll notice that Yako Piper isn't the only person I was critical of in that game. Tom Wright. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Just had a bit of uh, But let's get, let's go on to the games that happened in the weekend. Then we we'll talk about obviously the bladder slow that is coming yep. up. Uh, a couple of key points there. Um, but two games happened on the weekend: Fiji versus Tonga, Samoa versus Japan. I should say Japan versus Samoa. But Fiji hosted Tonga. Uh, Japan hosted Samoa. I don't actually. I should know this. Where did Japan uh, Fiji host Tonga? Because. Uh, that's a good- my assumption is the fact that they've won it was in Suva, baby, because they don't lose in Suva. No Fijian uh, team. Let me have a let me have a look here. I'll do you you keep chat. Uh, I'll keep, keep going chatting. with this right and, and, and I'll and I'll research, right? Yeah. Because and again, Hughes is gonna do the research for me, but I believe and this statistically is probably not right, but I'm it was not in anyway. it was not in Suva, it was in Lautoka. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, what I was going to say is no Fijian team has ever lost in Suva, uh, which is probably not factually correct, but it sounds good. And the Jura have made it a fortress. So even though it wasn't in Suva, Fiji got up. Fiji, I think, had named the better squad. This was obviously their first time coming together. Tonga had the game against Australia um, last week and were missing a couple couple of players as a rough allow one. Uh, I was really impressed by Tonga again. Um, Tonga have come a long way, and I think, honestly... The best thing World Rugby's done is these eligibility laws, like just seeing a player like Vi for Fee to be able to put on a Tonga jersey. Like, I think three years stand down is more than enough time for, yeah. you know, not to be selected and to make it all fair. Seeing Falau, Piatau, Vi for Fee, I just, it makes me so happy seeing those players play. Vi for Fee was huge. I, I mean, put some massive hits on a, a strong Fijian team. Saying that, Fiji played really well. Uh, a couple of superstars. I'm excited to see what the Pacific Nations are going to be able to do at this World Cup. There's a lot of flair there, but. Uh, a lot of good first five fly half play happening. And I saw this with a bit of Caleb Muntz who played for the Jura and started for Fiji, played a full game for Fiji this weekend and played really well. We've also got Christian Lilefano, um at Samoa now and William Harvili, who's had, you know, Moana Pacifica um, play for Super Rugby now um, playing for Tonga. Didn't start this weekend either. So look, if I'm, if I'm Tonga here, I'm not that worried. If I'm Fiji, I'm not that worried. It was a great first hit out. Great for Pacific Rugby to be playing there um, in Fiji. I just, I was I was impressed by it all. 
percent. It's always good to see. Look, this is a time like rugby is doing something right. Um, it seems like both rugby and rugby league are realizing that the Pacific Nations are a big part of building their future. I guess rugby union's got the advantage of as well of growing the game uh, in other locations as well. So it's good to see that, that they're not leaving the Pacific Nations behind. I, I was thinking this when I was watching that game. Um, I was watching the highlights of that game, I should say. I didn't watch it live. But uh, if New Zealand ever does host a Rugby World Cup again, um, there should be some games hosted in the islands. Um, mm. I would love even just some games in, you know, Pacific and, and one in Fiji, one in Samoa, one in Tonga or something like that. One game each for the, each of those teams in yeah. the pool just would be a fantastic little thing. I don't know if... New Zealand will host another Rugby World Cup. I think we may be just on the two smaller side. I think we will eventually, but we are on the smaller side and revenue-generating um, form to, to probably host one, but hopefully do. And if they do, they should take it out to the Pacific. So the second game was Samoa beating Japan. Uh, yeah. A red card in the 30th minute to Michael Leach. Uh, really set this one up for a, a, a Samoan win. Again, I'm, I'm high on Samoa again. Lili Fano looked good. The pact look incredible if you go back and watch that game and you see the scrummaging. Samoa will be very happy and Japan will be very worried. They just absolutely demolished them in the scrums. Uh, it was like a half a second. Japan had to put it in and get it out. Uh, and to get over the line in Japan, even with you know a, a 14, a one player advantage, 15 against 14 for 15 minutes, I was just impressed at, the Samoa side were able to do it and able to hold their nerve and come away with the win. For Japan, I'm not overly worried. They still look like the better team in this co- uh, in this game. However, this is two pretty bad losses to uh, All Blacks XV. Now yeah. a loss to Samoa. It's not the greatest preparation that we all know. They they peak at a Rugby World Cup. They're very becoming very South Africa like, um, but it hasn't been the best. I guess. Time for Japanese rugby from the 2019 World Cup to this World Cup um, coming up. Yeah, 100%. I think they will they will feel disappointed that they haven't had better results given the way that they played uh, in that World Cup. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one as well. They'll, they'll probably, uh, but instead of being whinging Aussies, they'll be whinging Japanese, complaining about refereeing decisions costing them the game. <laughs> The Japanese don't whinge, bud. They don't yeah. whinge. They, uh, yeah. they, <laughs> they don't even boo when a guy goes to do a goal kick, bud. They're not going to be whinging. <laughs> mm. I, that, and that's one thing as well. I, I have to say, I, think, I love Japanese fans for the way that they behave in stadiums as well. You know, pick it up rubbish, not booing when people go to take kicks and stuff. I, that's, you know, I love that. I love that kind of you stuff. You always could learn, you know, a thing or two from them. Right? I think everyone, in, I think everyone in the world except <laughs> for Japan could learn a thing or two from that. You know, um, yeah, I think it's it's really great. You know who could really learn a lot from them? England fans. England fans could learn a lot from England them. You know, not complaining England about their own weather. Learn a lot from anyone. Like, yeah. I, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they could learn how to speak English from a lot of <laughs> other countries. You know, they could probably learn how to speak English from the Japanese. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess we should talk about the, the cards in this game. Um, so you've actually put up a really good... Uh, video on the sports with Instagram page, which you guys should go and check out if you haven't. And you might cut it into the YouTube video here. I don't know. You're a whiz with editing and stuff, but uh, essentially Mike, Michael Leach goes in. He's not lowering. He's not really looking to wrap. Yes. The Samoan player is tackled by another tackler first. This sort of bumps him a little bit, but I 
from the video you've got up and from the audio I'm hearing from it, I think they got that call right. Um, Cause you can't consider the first tackler a mitigating factor. If you're never in like a, if you're never in a position to make a legal tackle yeah. in the first place, like it's not like he's going in for a legal tackle and the place been bumped into a shoulder. No, he's coming in, his arms sort of down by his side, his hands loosely in front of him. It's really shoddy technique. Um, and that's, and that's what's costed him there. Yeah. Um, I, I, opposing that is the Teleni Sue totally. tackle. And I think that, again, the referee made a, they explained it well, uh, especially with the captions you've got on the video there. You can see that Sue is going low for the tackle. The Japanese player lowers himself, but Sue still collects around the head, so it is still a yellow. Maybe could have been a penalty for just high contact, but considering it's th that's how they're ruling head contact these days, it's yellow. I'm fine with it. Um, arguably, yeah, you, I guess it's it's hard in the situation. When you're coming in to make a legal tackle, and then someone ducks into your shoulder and they hit their head on your shoulder, you, you, I could see how you could feel hard done by. Yeah. Uh, but that's what the game is these days. So, you know. Yeah. See, guys, I'm not just bashing referees <laughs> all the time. You know? No, I mean, I, I agree a lot with, with what you said. I think Michael Leach's one, I think he would have eventually wrapped the arm. I do think he would have eventually wrapped the arm if he made contact. But there was no doubt. There was nowhere else he could have contacted except for the head. Like that shoulder was always hitting the head. So I understand why it's a red card. We, you know, I don't think, like you said, I think it was just sloppy technique rather than an yeah. intentional hit. But it does it does bring up the question, you know, technique for tackling is going to have to, because like a team that you normally would expect to be, you know, on the ball with their tackling technique, Japan, they lose a player. This, I, I see a lot of comments in, the, in our YouTubes as well about, um, you know, this World Cup's going to be decided by cards. And it, uh, it's not going to be decided by cards. It's going to be decided by tackling technique more than cards, well, I think. Yeah, 100%, especially considering that they're not putting in the 20-minute red card for the World Cup. Yeah, totally, which I think is a good decision. I Look, I'm a fan of the 20-minute uh, red card. And again, I, I think there should be an orange card where yeah. it's something not dangerous, like, well, not dangerous, but not intentional and is something that, you know, just happens in the game. Let's say Sue's one, he is going, or that's a try-saving tackle. He's going for the try-saving tackle. He goes to make a wrap and it, there's contact with the head and by law it has to be a red card or something like that. Or Caleb Clark one um, from when he went to charge down a kick and his um, hip made contact with Moana Pacifica player a couple of years ago. Those yeah. ones I'm like, that should be a 20-minute red card. Like, he shouldn't be able to come back on, but there's no intention to hurt anything like that. And then you have the full red card for where it's like, yeah, this is a dangerous play. It's sloppy tackle technique. It's sloppy that. Bang. But I don't mind it. I think it's, it's holding teams accountable to their tackle technique. And I think we've been doing this for long enough now that you know the consistency of the refs. Like, um, that, that, like you said, those both of those decisions were right. I think, yeah. in, 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 in the scheme of things. So, look, yeah, it, it happens. It's just interesting that they're, a, 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 losing a key player like that is going to – could cost you a Rugby World Cup game. Um, no doubt about that. And, again, you would say – I would say five, six times out of seven, eight times out of ten, Japan probably beats Samoa, but a red card will change that. Yep, 100%. Let's get on to the Blader Slow. Obviously, last round of the Rugby Championship happening this week, uh, Argentina versus South Africa in South Africa. But the one that everyone's got on their mind is the All Blacks versus the Wallabies at the G. Bowling takes MTG. six at the G. Uh, it's 
it's going to be a big game. But before that, Eddie has made some bigger calls. Made some squad changes. Uh, he's made the right call by leaving Tom Wright. Uh, well, actually, no. I'm gonna, I, I, I don't think he's made the right call by leaving Tom Wright completely out of the squad. Because I think, as we've discussed, Tom Wright has a role as a winger. Um, so I think Eddie's actually made a wrong call here by leaving Tom Wright out of the squad and leaving Suliasi Vunavalu in. I think Tom Wright could be in a squad as a winger, as a backup winger. I think Korobedi and Nwangani Tawase are your wingers. No question. For me, that last game against Argentina sort of sealed it. Those are the two best wingers uh, for Australia, right? Where we've got question marks coming into this game is uh, outside center and fullback. So uh, Len Ikitao's out six to eight weeks with that shoulder uh injury, which is really rough for him, which is really, really rough because that puts him very borderline for the World Cup. Very, very borderline. Um, and might ru- ruin, rule out his chances completely depending on however uh, either Parisi or Pattaya steps up. So either Izzy Parisi or Jordan Pattaya could play 13 because equally either Jordan Pattaya or Andrew Kellaway could play 15 for the Wallabies. If I was Eddie, if I'm putting on my bald cap to play Eddie, not that I'd have that far to go, but if I'm putting on my <laughs> my hairless cap to play Eddie, uh, I'm thinking Kellaway at 15, because Kellaway, I think Kellaway needs to be in the squad. He is, of all active Wallabies, he scored the most tries against the All Blacks. Um, he's the active try-scoring leader against the All Blacks for Australia, and uh, I think he is a better fullback than Pattaya is. But outside centre... I don't think you could go wrong with either Parisi or Pattaya. I don't think you could go wrong with either of them. I'm pretty split on that one because I'm not sure if it's just why Waratah's bias that would rather Parisi in there because equally Pattaya's had some explosive plays against the All Blacks in concert with Kellaway as well. I remember specifically from the last Bledisloe. So I'm torn on the outside centre. I'm going to jump in here and give you my opinion because I'm not biased by New South Wales Rorotas. First of all, I like that he's left Vunavalu in the squad. Look, I've always been big on Vunavalu. I'm a Vunavalu supporter. I know I don't have to go through the pain of watching him fumble and struggle and go through these growing pains, but I think he's going to be a great winger at some point. When that happens, it may be too late and he may be back in the uh, NRL, but I think he will get there at some point. So I don't mind that he's left him in the squad. I think... Callaway at fullback's the easy choice. Yeah. Um, I think the reason he's let right go as well is because Pattaya can play. I, I assume it'll be like a bench spot for Pattaya because he can play yeah. wing, fullback, and centre. I would be starting Parisi at centre. There's no yeah. doubt that Pattaya, I, I can't even remember when his last game was because he was out injured for a while. Yeah. Um, look, I, to me, he's he played the most of the red season over at fullback or wing. He hasn't had a lot of experience at centre. To chuck him into the G... Uh, without the experience of playing at centre, where we saw what Argentina did to Karevi, who's a great defender at 13. Yeah. You know, I think Parisi is the answer, just purely out of, you know, because he's played at centre this, uh, the whole season. Even though it wasn't his best season, I would say, he's still, he's played games there. He's he, had, he had really good moments. He's sort of derailed a bit by injury as well. Like, he totally towards the back end of the season... Exactly. Um, he came, when he, he came, when he into came his back own. from that yep. knee injury, he was really good. And he got injured uh, again. Obviously, nothing as significant as last year, but he was electric for the Waratahs when he was on. 
Um, so, okay, look, I'm glad it's not my Waratah's bias that's making me lean towards Parisi then. No, 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 mate. It's both of us are here. Agree. Yeah. Then, then, then uh, the other big question for me is, is this the game where Eddie pulls the trigger on Carter Gordon? Because, uh, is it, cause Quade Cooper at the moment is, um, is a cow in a meat factory at the moment. It's just a matter of time before someone puts the trigger and takes him out. Right. It's, and it, it puts in Carter Gordon in his place. Uh, whether it's this game or whether Eddie doesn't do it for the rugby championship and holds it for the World Cup, who knows? I'd rather Eddie do it now in the rugby championship so Carter Gordon's blooded, starting, and is just is is the guy for the Wallabies. He's just he just is the guy. No questions about it. He's not worrying while he's at the World Cup. He has time to take command of the squad in the period between now and the World Cup. So I'd rather Eddie get it over and done with. Um, I think what you sort of said. Last time, your arguments in the last podcast for starting Carter Gordon were uh, very good um, for leaving Quaid in this, for this one and then starting Carter Gordon over in New Zealand with no pressure on whatsoever. I mean, I feel like there's even there's not that much pressure for this one anyway because, you know, Australia hasn't won a game in the rugby championship. Well, we Eddie, can't win the rugby championship. Eddie's just called it a, a pre-season build-up for yeah. the World Cup, hasn't he? So yeah, exactly. no pressure so, on the players. Yeah, so uh, I, look, I wouldn't mind seeing him start for this one, um, and also starting in front of a friendly crowd. You know, like uh, Marky Mark hadn't ever played, uh, hadn't ever played for Australia in Australia because last year he only got to play uh, overseas. Uh, it's the same with a couple of the other Australian players um, that were that are relatively young. They hadn't ever played in Australia before, and I think that's really big is to have a a, a good home crowd for your first start. So I, and especially it's in his home city as well, in Melbourne. Melbourne, where he plays, yeah, where the Rebels will rugby. Be behind he them. knows the ground, so <laughs> I'd love know. for him to start. Does he know the MCG? Cause... I'm sure. He, I'm sure he's been out there for a trot. Well, you know? I sure would be surprised if they let the Rebels out on the MCG, bud. Like, let's be honest. We oh, see. God. We see how Super Round goes. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. Look, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he's he's gone over there and had one of the wanky Melbourne coffees. <laughs> MCG. I'm sure they've strolled along it because it's the Bledisloe, right? It probably hasn't been there for the Rebels, but since the Bledisloe was announced there, I'm sure they've allowed the rugby players to go have a check around there. Um, in the forwards, there's some questions as well in terms of changing of pieces. You know, we, it's ma- mainly people are focusing on the changes in the backs, but the forwards are equally as important, particularly uh, a couple of surprise outs, one of them being Pete Samu. It's probably the most significant one. Uh, Josh Kameni as well being out of the squad. Sort of surprised me because I didn't think he had a bad game against Argentina by by any means. Um, but we've also got out of the squad Zane Nongo, Reese Hodge, and Matt Gibbon. So thinking about what possible reason Eddie could have to have Pete Summer not in the squad, I imagine probably resting and rotating and looking at other players, uh, looking at different combinations, you know, with maybe Holloway coming in at six and things like that. Uh, and then also trying to see how Lange Gleason goes because Lange Gleason's in the squad now. So I think it's just a pure rotational thing, as you as you quoted him just before. He sees this as a pre preseason training camp to the Rugby World Cup. So he's got to get fit all of his pieces in there at some point. I think he knows what he's got in Pistol Pete Samu. Um, he's a very good, consistent player. I think he he needed to see what uh, Langy Gleeson could potentially bring. So, uh, and I think this is where we might see Bobby V in the six jersey, then, and then Langy at eight. Uh, Hooper's a Hooper is a stretch to make the game. Uh, apparently. So we'll see who starts at, at seven. I would say probably McWright. Um, and yeah, we'll just, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know? 
So, yeah, and New Zealand, I think, will be a very similar team to what we've seen. They've released a bunch of uh, players back to minor 10 cup teams and stuff like that, Cam Roy, Gardshaw, Stevenson. So it'll just depend who they set up on the wings um, and uh, what first five, I guess, they go for. Uh, but I imagine it's going to be a very similar team as we build for the Rugby World Cup. So the question to you, Husey, can these Wallabies do it at the MCG? Of course, we won our last game, last two games at the MCG, I think. Uh, yeah, so, yes. yeah, we're on a winning streak at the MCG, of course. <laughs> uh, should go in we're as favourites, surely. Yeah, like, surely, surely we're favourites. Surely we're favourites. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, you know, they've got the, I, can they do it? Yes, of course. Of course. Any team can beat any team. Of course. It's, it's, there's, you can never say with 100% certainty a team can't because it, it's not how mathematics works. So can the Australians do it? Of course. Uh, you know, will they do it? That's up to them. Ultimately, <laughs> at the end of the day, it is up to, I think this game, more than, I didn't think, and it's the same with Australia always, right? Is they've got the talent there. They do have talented players. They have got good players. But it's all, it comes down to, to discipline and penalties. And yes, as much as you can say that Yako Piper was jumping in a lot and things like that as well, it, equally, and I said it in the last podcast, Actually, listen carefully. Yeah, Australia puts themselves in positions as well to where they get penalised or where they um, uh, make bad calls. It's discipline. It's, it's the thing that's been affecting Australian rugby for a little bit, for a little while now. So I think the, there is the talent there to do it for sure, um, but it's up to the players to have the discipline, the mental strength and will and the confidence to do it. So yes, they can do it, but they've got to do it themselves. And I, I threw out last year to the... Australian players during the um, during the spring tour that if they they won three out of five games to take them all out for ice cream, right? If uh, Wallaby squad, if you guys win in in Melbourne, I'll take you all out for ice cream. Official <laughs> Eddie included, because uh, everyone knows he's a fiend for ice cream. He racks up a hefty bill at Gelato Messina every time he's there. But I will take out the Wallabies to Gelato Messina if they win in Melbourne. Oh, good man, Hughesy. It's not going to happen, so don't worry about it. Your bank account safe. Um, <laughs> On to the under-20s, the Rugby Championship. So uh, I think as a whole collective, Sansa saw what happened at the under-20 championship, the third, five, seven, and I think Argentina were ninth maybe, um, and went, you know what? This ain't good enough. Um, They've got their Six Nations rumbling up north that are getting their players a little taste of international rugby. Why the don't we do it? And so they've gone ahead and said, yes, we are going to do an under-20, the rugby championship. Amazing. I, My assumption's going to be it's going to happen in one location each year and yeah. go around for the four years. I think that would be... I a, think that would be good. That would be awesome. Like Again, it doesn't take them having to travel lots of places. It's one location. You play a game every like five days for the yeah. three weeks and it, it, it ticks off. Um, a really be- good tournament. It'd be a good thing to go watch as well, similar to like Rugby Sevens, you know? Totally, totally. Get the atmosphere up. You know, two games in one day, then yeah. everything like that. It would, yeah, on, on weekends you go, you'd say say it was in Australia, you'd have one in Melbourne, one in Sydney, one in Brisbane or, or in Perth or whatever. And in, in New Zealand you have like, you know, one weekend 
in Auckland one weekend, in Wellington one weekend in Otago. I just think that works really well. I hope they do it, set it up like that. Um, but we will wait and see and announce more details when that comes. I'm sure the All Blacks will be expecting to take home. Should we ever? We should truly get an under twenties Bledisloe going because you know yeah. you need some some other Bledisloe to win because you're not winning this one. Bledisloe um, Junior. Bledisloe Junior, and it's just a yeah. miniature trophy, just a miniature one, and then yeah. It's, it's under 20 inches tall. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking about New Zealand and Australia, Bledisloe's, yes. Anzac XV. Come yes, here, no, my brother. Maybe, Come maybe here, not. <laughs> I'm hugging you too now, virtually. Yep. Um, look, it's, it's, been, is, I, it's been talked about. However, I want to touch base. It's <laughs> going to be an Australian A team plus New Zealand players that aren't playing for the All Blacks. Yeah. But then Still. now now Eddie's come out and said he doesn't really want to touch any New Zealander because he thinks he's got they've got cooties or something like that. I don't know. It was something <laughs> along those lines. Um, but, yeah, so, look, if it does happen, it'll be awesome. I think it's a great idea to get New Zealanders over for the British and Irish Lions tour um, to get a bit more of that, that magic. I would love to see actually one of these games be New Zealand, Australia, South Africa because since that's the four te- uh, three teams that – the British and Irish Lions tour, I think it would be really cool to make up a, a XV of them every single time yeah. and have one more, like a, a, an invitational test match just about. So, look, I love the idea. It's great. And look, we could finally sit down for a game and cheer for the same team. Exactly. Great. Yeah, that would be re- that'd be a rare occurrence. Yeah, very rare occurrence. I guess if we ever finished and we're in the same pool and... We needed like the other team to win a game to knock yeah. the other te- like another team out. Where it's the only other time we'd cheer for each other. But we don't. Uh, have we ever been in the same rugby world cup pool? I'm gonna I say I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Because it's done on rankings, it doesn't matter where we. But we, I don't think we have. If I'm running my, so. I don't like. We only meet in quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. Like we. <laughs> Look at us. We only met on the big stage. But, yeah. um, you know, like I, I can't remember a time. I, I, I'm going to assume I can't. not. Can't remember either. This, this draw is, uh, you know, is I actually, funnily enough, I re-watched the draw um, of the Rugby World Cup, the like the coaches' reactions to it. And yeah. I, what I found really funny from this was the fact that you had Eddie Jones at, at England, uh, Piviak at Wales, uh, you also had the Fijian coach, Vern Cotter's no longer there. Um, Dave Rennie for Australia. Dave Rennie for Australia. I was just sitting there and I was like, this is the dumbest shit in the world that it was done this early. Like, take all the draw and stuff out of it. Just seeing coaches who are no longer coaching those teams reacting to the work. Like, yep. like, I just blew my mind. I just sat there and went, what the f- mm-hmm. what the fuck is happening? But, yeah, uh, uh, entertaining at least. Um, so, yeah. Do the draw later, Rugby World Cup. Uh, last point for today, obviously, Bledisloe coming yes. back. I thought, let's ask ourselves a question. Let's see. If you could bring back one former player from your nation to play in this Bledisloe series, who would it be and why? So, for example, you know, Richie McCaw at seven for the All Blacks. Rah, rah, rah. He is not my player, but I'm going to let you go first. For me, this is really tough because there's a lot of quality players that you could bring back. My first thought immediately was Stephen Larkham, was to have that incredible 10 again. But I think with Carter Gordon, that we have someone, I was chatting with my dad over the weekend, and he, he sees a lot of Stephen Larkham and Carter Gordon. So 
he's Stephen Larkham's not my pick. Um, and there's a few people that I'm sort of tossing around, right? Uh, one of them is Israel Folau. Israel Folau at his prime with the rest of this back line would be absolutely incredible. Um, as good as Kellaway is, Israel Folau was on another level when he was playing, all right? Arguably one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world at, at his peak. Um, George Gregan is another is another one. Um, always able to get under New Zealanders' skin, always coming up with, with great plays. Um, John Eels is another really you know, big one that I was, I was thinking about. Um, it's really, really hard uh, to decide. But I think if I could pick one former player at their prime, cons- and considering, and what it is, is it's not necessarily about the player, it's about considering the Australian squad that we have and where I see uh, a little bit of a weakness that could be addressed, right? Um, and that's actually at hooker, specifically at backup hooker. Right, Parecki's done all right, but I think we can improve there. I think round the rest of the park we're ma- mainly okay for this one. However, I, my player, and I don't, I don't know if you would have ever seen this coming, is Stephen Moore. Stephen Moore back at his prime as starting hooker for the Wallabies with Dave Parecki then coming off the bench. That way we've got two quality hookers ready to play for the Wallabies. Stephen Moore. Interest definitely not who I would have picked. Um, I know, but I like. But it's it's not about the player; it's about the team. Totally, I like the thinking. You've you've thought about weaknesses, uh, which obviously the Wallabies have quite a lot of, and you've (laughs) you've targeted it, and you've 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 done a good job. I I think Stephen Moore was critically underrated, criminally underrated, should I say? Uh, I feel like he's a bit of a hooper. You know, always gave a hundred percent. And just never seemed to get the results from it again. Playing one of the best All Blacks teams of all times, it was tough for him. Um, yeah. I, I had a long thought as well. Now, obviously, I look at the All Black squad and I go weaknesses, and I go weaknesses. Where are we weak at the moment? And I went, props, pretty fucking good. Hooker, yeah. Cody Taylor's back in form, and Samasoni is looking like a beast. Locks, well, we've got two of the best locks in the world with Sam Whitelock and Brady Retallick. Yes, they're getting a bit old. So maybe I go Sam Whitelock in his prime, but I was like, nah. Yeah. Um, the age him, yeah. I was like, boom, someone came to my head. Jerome Kaino. I was like, yeah, you know, we got a, a big number six, really strong, we'll take it to the game. And then Shannon Frizzell went and fucking ran over Willie LaRue and sent him into the depths of hell. And I was like, okay, not needed. Um, seven, Sam Kane. Could upgrade to Richie McCaw, but I like what Sam's yeah. doing. You know, it's Sam Kane's time. It's not Richie McCaw's time. We're done with that. I then went eight. Well, Artie Savia, am I stupid? No, I'm in love with the man. <laughs> Nine, Aaron Smith, so I don't need anyone there. Ten, two of the best tens. Twelve, Geordie Barrett coming into his own. Thirteen, Ricky Ioane. Fullback, Bowden Barrett. One wing, Will Jordan. And I said, there it is. Number 11 hasn't been fully selected or taken, and there's only one man for the job. Bring on Jonah, put him on the wing. Imagine yep. him with this back line, that physical freak, just running over Marky Mark and steamrolling past Andrew Calloway as he dots that, the ball down for a famous victory at the MCG. Imagine though if Corabetti comes flying across. Imagine the collision between those two. That would be that would be a collision. That would that would start World War Three, I reckon. That would be a couple yep. of atomic bombs colliding and starting World War Three. <laughs> it would be, yeah, it would be similar to when Krakatoa erupted. 
you know, it'd be a shockwave heard thousands of miles away, right? Causing tidal waves, blowing out windows and things like that. Um, untying shoelaces, everything like that. It'd be, it would be incredible. It'd be like, you know, in uh, Captain America Civil War, where there's like the, the no, sorry, in, uh, in the first Avengers movie where Thor hits his hammer on Captain America's shield. It'd be like that, where there's the, that shockwave and, and everyone just stops and just looks. It's just, just stops the fighting. Like the Wallabies and the All Blacks just all stop and just look and just like everyone knows that they've just witnessed something magnificent. That's what. what that what's the saying? Like the immovable, force. An unstoppable force meets an immovable object. object. Yeah. Yes, In this case, though, it's two unstoppable forces. forces. <laughs> and both being, yeah, just incredible. So, ah, uh, man, that would be. Fa- I would love to see that. Um, yeah. But we will unfortunately never rest in peace, Jonah. Um. Anyway, we have a Bledisloe lined up this weekend. Uh, so join us again next Monday when we will be back on to discuss another famous All Black victory Wallabies at win. the G. Um, can they make it three in a row? Can they do it? Yeah, can the Wallaby Look, if we win three games in the, at the MCG in a row, that counts as a Bledisloe, right? That counts as a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where was that? That was written in the terms and conditions, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Three well, games look, in a know, row at the so MCG. We we're, taking the, we're taking the England cricket logic in that in the spirit of the game we should have won Bledisloe won last year so it really felt like we won that one so we really we won that one and the game two doesn't really count so if we win this one that's two wins in a row so we get the Bledisloe and you know England logic for you and like the English Stuart you know when you were going to kick a goal head off a bat and ran away and you actually got 100 points rather than the 10 points and should have won so lots of yeah yeah. lots of of mitigating English factors (laughs) no I mean it's going to be a good game you know like you said it's free on the trot at the MCG if if you do get this win at the MCG you might have to make it your home for Bledisloe's as we've done with Eden Park however if you get this win at the MCG it will make me highly nervous because we're going to Forsyth Bar not Eden Park for our game so if there was ever a chance to win the Bledisloe, it's 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 now. It is now. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? It's now or never, baby. It's now or never. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if it's now uh, or never. Oh uh, yeah, well, like how long before would we say that you're just not going to win it? Like how uh, long? It'll happen. It? It'll happen. We got do, some do good you reckon, young blokes coming through. Oh yeah, nice. Uh, do you reckon that this could last longer than the Cubs not winning the World Series? Are we looking at? Like history, I How think long it was, was that? 108 years. No, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think it's like that. Because the, the Cubs were cursed, weren't they? Or something. Yeah, there was a. But I'm like a guy that tried to bring his goat into the stadium or something. Yeah, but now I'm starting yeah. to question. Like, are the Wallabies cursed? Like, you know, like the Holes movie and like, you know, yeah. the, the, the curse there. And do you reckon like the first time they fired Eddie, the curse was put upon them? Because they haven't won a Bledisloe since you know two thousand three. Yeah, could be, and maybe and he now comes back and the curse. They're, they're trying to bring him back. They're trying to He's get the, the Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to get the curse broken through Eddie. Um, Eddie I mean, Shia Jones. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I f- it could it could happen? Could happen. Yeah. Where stranger things have happened. Yes. Yes, they have. But we'll see you all in 109 years when the All Blacks have not lost a Bledisloe. Thank you for joining us today on that rugby podcast. We'll be back again next week. I've been Luke. That's been Husey. Goodbye. Peace.